and we're talking praises. However, there's a dimension of praises that God is taking us into. The dimension where David praised God and his garment were falling off and the wife would say, ah, a whole king, you dancing like this? There is a dimension that God intends for us to go in praising him, individually and collectively. It's a part of the entire message preparation for the coming of the Lord. Because God desires our praises. And he wants us to dwell in that secret place wherein David dwelt. Amen. Praise God. We welcome to this session of this service in Jesus' name. Before I give the word that the Lord has laid my heart, there is a song to sing. And that song says, When Jesus comes to reward his servants, that's the title of the song. If you know it, you can just sing along with me. Song goes like this. When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, faithful to him, Will he find us watching with our lance or dream and bright? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the so bright? Oh, say will he find you are me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come. If at the dawn of the early morning, He shall call us one by one. When to the Lord we restore our talents, will he answer thee well done? Oh, can we say we are ready, sisters, ready for the soul, bright hope, say we you are me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come. Have we been true to the trust He left us? Do we sing to do our best? If has, there is no condemn We shall have a glorious rest. Oh, can we say we are ready? Red dream, ready for the soul. Right hope, say we live fine. 
you are me stay watching waiting waiting when the lord shall come blessed are those whom the lord finds watching in his glory they shall shine if he shall come at the dawn of midnight, will they find us watching them? Oh, can we say we are ready? Brethren, ready for the soul, bright hope. Say, will they find? You are me, stay watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come. Amen. Let us open to Luke chapter 19, verse 13. Gospel of Luke. Luke 19.30 say, And he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Heavenly Father, thank you. The entrance to your word this light. Father, I ask that you speak through me unto your children this morning. I ask, O oh Lord, you give us the grace to understand and catch the revelation and to walk with it in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus gave a parable. And that parable, Jesus told us about a man who was traveling to a far country to receive kingship. And then he gave his servants some talents. Some say pounds, some transition say pounds. So this parable is to tell us about the need to wait for the coming of the Lord. Amen. This parable also tells us about the kingdom of God. The Jews, when they knew that they were to have a Messiah, their mindset was that the Messiah would come and deliver them from the Roman dominion. The Romans, you know, the Roman Empire, the whole world, you know, they ruled the whole world at that time, including the Jews and Jerusalem. And so it was like they were in servitude to the Roman Empire. So if God has promised us a Messiah, according to Genesis 49, verse 10, then that Messiah must be king, and that Messiah must come and rescue us from this external domination by the Romans, so that we have our freedom and independence. That was their mindset. And when Jesus came speaking, 
they were wondering, is he really the Messiah? Is he really the Messiah? They saw signs and wonders quite all right. But they were convinced that the Messiah will be king who will rule over them and grant them independence. So, when Jesus fed 5,000 people, you remember the stories in the Bible, and there were 12 baskets of fragments that were left over, the people marveled at this miracle. Indeed, this is the Messiah. Can't you see signs and wonders we've never seen before? In fact, you know what they did? They said, there's no delay anymore. Let's go and crown him and make him king over us. Let's go to John chapter 6, verse 15. John chapter 6, verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed into a mountain himself alone. Can you see something? It's like recognition. Indeed, God has promised a Messiah, and we can see signs and wonders. He has fed 5,000 people. Out of five loaves of bread and all, it's a miracle. And a lot of leftover. We've never seen this type before. Therefore, let us go and just crown him. That was their intention. Jesus perceived what they had in their mind. He knew what they had in their mind. They were to force him to become king. And Jesus said, no. He left their midst miraculously. And he went to a mountainside, was there alone. In John chapter 18, verse 36, during the trial of Jesus before Pilate, Jesus said these words. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. When we talk about the kingdom of God, by God we will delve a little bit into what the kingdom of God really is. The kingdom of God is the spiritual aspect and there's the physical aspect. Amen. But before then, still a sort of preamble to get you to understand what Jesus was talking about. When God created the universe, he created creatures, created the planets, and everything that there is. For man, we can divide all this stretch of time. To God, there's no time. But for man, for our own understanding, we can say there are three, three divisions of time. We can call the past eternity, eternity past that we do not know about. Before Adam was created and it took, it took dominion over the earth, you know, before Adam was created, there's the eternity past. It was in that eternity past that, say, that uh, Lucifer rebelled against God and he was cast down to this planet earth. Now, with Adam coming, another time or dispensation came into being, the dispensation of man. Eternity passed, 
the dispensation of man, and after the dispensation of man, there will be eternity future. And that we have to do with the millennium and the new heavens and the new earth. So what we know in human history is about this dispensation of man. Our man dispensation, in some, in, in, just in a short form, I will tell you, you can do further studies on that. Mass dispensation, we are not going to uh, details. Mass dispensation consists of the dispensation of innocence, a period of time when God created man, then followed by the dispensation of conscience, followed by the dispensation of human government, followed by the dispensation of promise, followed by the dispensation of law, and now followed by the dispensation of grace. That's the one we are familiar with. The church age. The time between Christ's coming and the second coming. That's the church age. Mass dispensation lasts from Adam to the second advent of Christ. The church age, that's the dispensation of grace, which we are in, we are saved by grace. We are not under the law. We are saved by grace. This is dispensational. From Christ's first coming to Jesus' second coming. And after the second coming of Christ, we, we step into the last era, eternity future. Praise the Lord. We have eternity past, man dispensation, eternity future. When this, when the dispensation of church age or dispensation of grace passes, it will lead to eternity future. That, that preamble, I gave it, and you know why I said it. The present kingdom of God is described in Luke 17, 20 to 21. Because we're in the kingdom right now, as we are here now. Children of God, born into the kingdom. You are born into this kingdom by the new birth. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, we are in the kingdom of God that is spiritual, the kingdom of God within. But not yet the time when Christ will reign physically with his sense. That will be during the millennium and in eternity future. New heavens and new earth. We are going to reign with Christ. There are several you know, references to that in the Bible. We are going to reign with Christ. Presently, it's a spiritual kingdom. Presently, it's the kingdom of God within. Amen. Luke 17, 20 to 21. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, is here, or Lo, is there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. I just want you to know that. Under the dispensation of grace, the kingdom of God is within us. Amen. Yes. We can reign as priests. We can reign as kings because Jesus is the king of kings. We have spiritual dominion over the forces of darkness. So in a way we are reigning spiritually, but not yet physically. That should be understood. Romans 14 verse 17 tells us, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what describes this present kingdom of God within. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
in the dispensation of divine government, which will start after the battle of Armageddon, Jesus reigned physically with his saints, first in the millennium, 1,000 years, and after that, the new heavens and new earth. On your own, you can read Revelation chapter 20 and chapter 21. tells you about this kingdom. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 to 45, we are told, a time will come when all the human government will give way to divine government. Let's read this. Let's read it. Daniel chapter 2, 44 to uh, 45. And in the days of these kings, talking about the kings of Daniel's vision, it was a golden image, and that one represented the, the kingdoms of man, you know, different kingdoms. First of all, you had the Egyptian empire, had the Assyrian empire, had the uh, uh, Babylonian empire, you had the Medo-Persian empire, had the Grecian empire, had the Roman empire, and the Roman empire is still here now. Yes, there is two aspects of the Roman Empire. The pagan Roman Empire, that one has since gone. Now it's the religious Roman Empire. And prophetically, this one will give way to the Antichrist rule just for seven years. That's the last. And that's, we end everything before Jesus Christ sets up his human government upon the earth. In the parable, let's go back to the parable. In the parable, a pound that was given to them was said to be three years' wage. Not just like one dollar, you know, just have a note saying one pound. No, 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 no. Three years, three years, not one year, not two years, three years' wage. So a lot of money that the man in this parable gave to his servants. He gave one, one, one pound. Then the others, two pounds, then five pounds. And we saw in that parable how they traded. And eventually they came back to the master and said, oh, you gave me five pounds, I've gained five more. You, know what I'm you gave me two, I've gained two more. Then the last one, oh, you gave me just one pound. Well, I hid it, I kept it for you, so that when you come, you take your money. But the purpose of the man giving them the talents or pounds was to go and trade, was to go and make profit. It was not for keeps, not for them to just go and keep. So we're going to see that, that the word occupy, when Jesus said, occupy till I come, after giving that parable, he now told us, Occupy till I come. What does that mean? Occupy means to invest with the intent of increase. It means to stay busy with what I have given you. It comes from a Greek word, pragmatuma, to trade. It means to buy, to be busy, to be busy, you know, make profit. It does not mean to relax. It does not mean to hang out. And it's not a passive word. Occupy till I come is an active word. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we are told that God has given us gifts and talents with which to profit with. 
the purpose of God giving us gifts is to trade with spiritually, not to make merchandise of the gospel, but to trade and get increase. The kingdom of God will increase through you and through me. That's God's purpose. All the gifts he gives to the church is to establish them, to make sure the church comes to spiritual maturity, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's the purpose. So we are to invest our time that God has given us. Every one of us will got time. This time is to be used to propagate the good news. You see whether it concerns you, the propagation of good news, is whether it concerns you or just some select few. We're going to see that. So we are to invest our time. We are to invest our talents. We are to invest our treasures, including silver and gold, money, dollars, you know, pounds. And also the opportunity that come your way. God has caused opportunity to come your way with the tent that use that opportunity to expand the kingdom of God by preaching the good news. He wants every of his followers to be witnesses. That's God's purpose. So at the end, we'll see whether we are ready for fulfilling God's purpose or just partially doing that. It is to invest such that God's work will be advanced and multiplied. God's command is for us to occupy till he comes again. He came the first time and he's coming back again. It requires patience, passion, and persistence and even long-suffering. Why? Because it's a long time. Secondly, because we do not know the hour and time or day that Jesus will come. So these two factors make it necessary for us to have some patience, some passion, and some persistence and long-suffering. Because God has given that promise. I'm coming back again. But before then, occupy till I come. We are to remain faithful till the Lord returns. That's why that song is very instructive. We are to remain faithful till, till Christ comes. Since no one knows when Jesus shall come, we need to be watchful. We don't need to be distracted because there are scoffers who will come in the last days and they are already here. You say, oh, people have been talking about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord. When will he actually come? Do you think he will come? That's how it was regarding the first promises concerning his first coming. The prophecy that were given in the Old Testament concerning his first coming. People doubted. But Isaiah and other people whom God gave those revelations, they didn't doubt. Even though it did not happen in their time, they kept on believing that someday, somehow, Jesus is going to come. Even Daniel, he had revelation about the coming of the Lord and how he will offer himself as his sacrifice for mankind. He never saw the realization, but he believed it. And today we have seen it's now history. Jesus Christ actually came and he died for us and he went to heaven and said, I am coming back. Occupy till I come. It is easy to be distracted from the kingdom business. That's why Jesus Christ said, to occupy till he come. The pride of life, the pleasures of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches can distract people from pursuing God's business. Even the rise of false prophets will deceive many 
and many will derail. That's another thing. Many people will derail from the true faith because of false prophets. So that is why we need to be patient. That's why we need to be persistent and to have long suffering. Jesus' command to occupy till I come means yet another thing, military. We want to consider that also. In military terms, to occupy means to fill or use a space. It means to enter a place in a large group and take control of it, especially by military force. When the military invades a territory, they take over the place as their own. They occupy. Jesus met disciples were to take over and occupy the nations of the earth with the gospel. Amen. So you understand now. In Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 28, the Sadducees, you know, they were set of the Jews. They complained that the Christian had filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. Read it. Acts 5, 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, verse 28, saying, Did we not strictly command you that you should not teach in this man's name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And he tend to bring this man's blood upon us. Take note of that expression. You have filled Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. Then and even now. Amen. Yes. Did you like Phoenix, the capital of Arizona? You have filled the whole of Phoenix with this man's doctrine. Can you imagine that? The few disciples that were at that time. They made so much impact. They had imparted the whole city everywhere. Feed it with the doctrine of God. That's with the gospel. Also in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem in accordance with God's desire. Occupy till I come. The word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Praise the Lord. God was happy. Because that's exactly what Jesus said they should go and do. Occupy till I come. Preach the gospel. Take over nations and dominions with the word of God. And that's exactly what they did. In Acts chapter 17, 5 to 6, the Jews which believed not moved with envy, crying, These that have turned the whole world upside down are come hither also. Think about that. They have turned the whole world upside down with the gospel. Everywhere you go, Jesus, 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 believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and shall be saved. Are you born again? Be born again. That's what happened. They invaded. They occupied the whole place and preached the gospel. In Antioch, the believers were first 
called Christian. They were nicked for the nickname. That these people, they are just like Christ. They are everywhere. We thought we had succeeded in killing that man. But you see, we made a great mistake. There are so many Jesuses now. We killed one, but thousands and now millions, they are in place. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. The early church indeed took over territories and nations. Within the space of two years, Apostle Paul had evangelized the whole of Asia as at that time. Space of two years. So they were not just relaxing. Jesus is coming again. They were up and doing, busy doing the work of God. Acts chapter 19, verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of God, heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. Huh? Not just in Jerusalem alone, the whole of Asia. Oh my God, the early church, they really imparted their generation. They really obeyed this command, occupy till I come. But you'll be the better judge whether we are still in the footsteps of the apostles today. The early church obeyed and carried out the mandate. The persecuted Christians, which were scattered abroad, spread the good news anywhere they went. There was great persecution. Even in the midst of persecution, the gospel spread like wildfire. Amen? In Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They were not sent as special missionaries. They were just Christians like you and me. Christians. No title, nothing, nothing, nothing. Just they believed in Jesus Christ, just like you have believed, just like I have believed. And beside that, there was persecution. Maybe if it were, some of us say, oh, grumbling. Why couldn't God protect us? Why are they persecuted? Why, 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 why? They went everywhere, some to the east, some to the west, some to the south and north, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. I want you to see that these were human beings like you and me. They were entrusted with that great commission to preach the good news, occupy till I come. And in strict obedience, they did exactly just that. Even when they were not in their home countries, when they were abroad, they spread the good news everywhere. Today, we need to go back to the Bible and review our service for the Lord. We have generally deviated from the core mission of the church. The core mission of the church. Now, let me tell you, the church has three principal functions. The church generally has three principal functions. One, vertical relationship with God and praising him, like we just talked about, praising and worship, praising him. That's one cardinal responsibility of the church. The other one is ministry to the body of Christ, like we are doing right now, ministry to one another, you know? In fellowship, in gathering like this, in assemblies, we encourage one another. It's a command of the church. And thirdly, reaching out to the world around us, reaching out with the gospel to unbelievers so that they will come into the kingdom of God. Remember, we're the kingdom of God within. 
the church and individuals have lost the militant spirit of the early church to occupy. Why we are saying that there are exceptions. There are some people who are so still militant who preach the gospel. But generally, that flavor has left. The church has gone mundane and preaches materialism more than the gospel of Christ. Today, that's the church generally. The church is called to evangelize the world and make disciples of all nations. The church has significantly neglected this mission. The early church sponsored missionaries, and they themselves were missionaries, even as individuals. And they sponsored missionaries, sent them to go preach the gospel as a body, and supported them. Remember even when Apostle Paul and Silas were sent forth, after prayer and fasting, the church sent them forth. Are we still doing that today? We may read history and say, oh, in the time past, this used to happen, and the church used to send out missionaries. Are we still doing that? There is urgent need for us in these last days to go back to our first love. Go back to our first love. Matthew 24 10 to 12, say, many have been offended, and the love of many have was cold because of persecution, because of insincerity of man, and all that, because of so much wickedness in the world. Some people have, have become so cold towards the Lord. It ought not to be. Let there be restoration. Let there be revival in the name of Jesus. As individuals, we need to wake up to our primary assignment to be Jesus' ambassadors, reconciling men back to God. Please don't forget that. Even if you forget the other thing I've said today, you are Jesus' ambassador. Not just for the world or thing. Uh, you know, there's uh, a church called Christ Embassy. Christ Embassy and all that. It has that connotation. And it's from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. Jesus Christ has made us to be ambassadors, his own ambassadors. So with God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's our duty. Our children go, what? now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Not just for the title, oh, I'm ambassador. So let them give me some ambassadorial robe. Not that. In spirit, be an ambassador indeed. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray, pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. God has made us his own ambassadors. Amen? You and I. Forget about title. If you gave your license sincerely to Christ last week, you're already God's ambassador. And it's expected that the light of God will continue to shine. Even though you have not understood the whole Bible. But the little light that you have, let it shine. Let my own shine. And then collectively we shine like that. We, we, we take over the world again. We turn the world upside down again. Amen. We can participate in missions as individuals. When you talk about missions... Missions involve sending people 
to places where the gospel had never been preached. Not just a walkover kind of thing. They had never heard about God. The interior of interiors. Same people there. And some people have responded to that call. They are called missionaries. They go to such places and preach the good news. Maybe you know some missionaries. Not long ago, we were talking about missionaries, you know, in the, in the clubhouse. That, oh, what an awesome responsibility. What an awesome job. You see, we hardly talk about missionary. We talk about evangelists. We know there's so much. We talk about prophets. We talk about apostles. We talk about pastors. And, you know, talk about evangelists, teachers. But missionaries, we hardly recognize them. But they are doing a great job, just like Apostle Paul did. Preaching the good news to the people that had never received the gospel. So there are three ways you can participate as a missionary. You can be the one to go to preach the good news. Places where the gospel has never been preached. The right to face persecution or opposition. Yeah. Secondly, you can be a sponsoring missionary. You are not there. We will send people with your money. Your money. Send people there. Encourage them. You do a good job. And then, of course, the third group, those who pray for them. Pray for missionaries. We should always pray for them because they face a lot of dangers, a lot of opposition. Praise the Lord. Lord, help them in Jesus' name. Let us, like Apostle Paul, on his conversion, ask the Lord this thing. Ask chapter 9, verse 6. Lord, what will you have me do? So, ask God as individuals, Lord, I've heard today that it's not just sitting down, just relaxing, say I'm a Christian. If I die, I go to heaven. It's beyond that. Lord, what will you have me do in this great commission of occupying till you come? Acts chapter 9, verse 6. So you pray that prayer. Because immediately Apostle Paul was converted, he was the one who on his own prayed to God, Lord, what will you have me do? And God said, okay, go to Ananias. He will tell you what you're going to do. And actually, he did, and God revealed his plan. That was to be a messenger to the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. Every one of us, we need to ask this. In this great work, we can't do everything. Lord, what will you want me to do as an ambassador for Christ? Let not your past failures deter you. Let us arise and shine, for our light has come. We know everything is winding up and Jesus' coming is so near now, so imminent. The import of this is that, look, my father must not die and go to hell. My mother must not die and go to hell because after death, no reconciliation. There's, it's appointed to man wants to die after that judgment. So after somebody has died, there is no possibility that person will be saved again. It's as important as that. Though there are some false teachers who say there's a place called purgatory, that is not biblical. There's no such a place. If we need to repent, it is now or never. Neither because you wear an amulet 
There's what is called an amulet in some religious setting, Christian, pagan, Christian religious setting. They have what's called amulet, amulet. Small thing, the tights on their neck. And if you open inside, they say if you if you if you die wearing this amulet, you will go to heaven. Falsehood, false hope. There's nothing like that. Now is the accepted time. Now is it that when somebody has died, say, may his soul rest in peace. Why do Christians pray that prayer? If you are a New Testament believer and you actually believe that it's appointed to my want to die after that judgment, why do you pray that prayer? You think your prayer can avail if somebody has died in sin and is dead for hell to make that person come back to God and go to heaven? Impossible. I don't pray that prayer. No, preacher, may so rest in, may her soul rest in peace. That's just a wish, not real prayer, actually. It's commonplace and it surprises me. Committed Christian pray that may his soul rest in peace. Just to conform with the word. If you can't be there, join them. Be a radical for Jesus. And tell them the plain truth that look, now is the time. After somebody has died, sorry. So this is the time to labor for our family members who are not yet saved. This is the time for, for them to enter the ark of salvation. Now, now, now. Let us not dwell on the past. Let us return to our God. And let us deploy our talents, our giftings, our blessings towards the heartbeat of God. Heartbeat is the soul winning. Heartbeat of God is soul winning, soul winning, soul winning, winning souls. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, talking to you and me. Please don't push this responsibility to apostles. Pastors and evangelists alone, please, because there's no basis for that in the scriptures. This commission is to every believer, wherever you are. You shine your corner, I shine in my corner. I may not be as impactful as an apostle because there are different gifts and different levels of grace. I may not be as impactful as an evangelist or a missionary, but in my own little corner, I should shine. You should shine. Amen? Therefore, deploy your talents. Deploy, deploy your giftings. Deploy all the blessings you have received towards the heartbeat of God. Both by our own lifestyle and by preaching. Don't just say my lifestyle is good enough. Just live a good, godly life and people will see that you are with Jesus. Very good. The apostles did that, but they went beyond. Verbally express that Jesus is Lord. Tell others about how he saved you and how he can also save them. That's witnessing. You don't have to know the whole Bible. In our schools, in our workplace, in our community, in our families, and everywhere, let us tell others about Jesus. Jerusalem is the first place we should start. You know? And that's our fabulous. I'm very concerned when somebody dies. My first question is, did that person know God? So I even know whether to cry with you or to say, 
Relax. Jesus is in control. Right now, your relations, your brother that you lost so much, your sister that you lost so much, are they in Christ? It's your responsibility to tell them about Jesus if they don't yet know Jesus. If you are harsh, wicked, unforgiving toward them, can they hear the gospel through you? No. Therefore, there must be a change of attitude as well. If that's the problem you have, you have and that's why you have not ministered to your relations, please let there be a change of heart in Jesus' name. Jesus came to seek and to save them that are lost. Luke 19, verse 10. That's the purpose. If you were to summarize the purpose. Oh, why did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come into this world? Promptly put, he came to seek and to save them that was lost. That's the reason why Jesus Christ went from village to village, from city to city. He never sat in one place. People must hear the gospel. And it's not only Jesus that did this. He gave all this command, and the apostles, disciples, the early church, they obeyed to the letter. And that is why we had all those results that we read about. Let us have the same spirit that the early disciples had. Let us have the same spirit and passion that Jesus also had. Let us not forget we, are individual, we as individuals have been made ministers of reconciliation. Are you a minister? Yes, you are. You could be a music minister, but at the same time, you are a minister of reconciliation. You could be a pastor. At the same time, you are a minister of reconciliation. You can be an evangelist prophet, yet you are a minister of reconciliation. Just know that. So you have your portfolio. You always to reconcile men and women back to God. It's not by power, it's not by mind. You say the word, you tell them about Jesus' love, how he died for them, and if they believe, you know, they too can receive forgiveness of sins like you did. Simple. Holy Spirit is the one that converts. He's the one that convicts and converts. Yours is to proclaim the word. Amen. Yes. I don't want you to be discouraged. Even some of us, who have been winning souls. And sometimes we ask ourselves, where are my fruits now? Like yesterday, we went out. We want souls quite all right. But where are they here now in this gathering? That shouldn't bother you. Amen? I want to encourage you. If that the discouragement that you have, don't be discouraged anymore. The reason is that God has given this commission to the church in general and to us specifically but we are to work at the body of Christ. That is why Apollos, uh, Paul said, I, Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gives the increase. Those people you have spoken to, you have invested the word of God in them, they can become apostles tomorrow without your knowing. And you don't even need to know here, but over there, you are going to be rewarded. Amen? Yes. May the Lord help us to really occupy till he comes in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me or you are right here, you have not known Jesus? The very first thing is to know Jesus before you talk about responsibilities, before you talk about service to God. First of all, know him in a personal way. Have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
And you can only do that by acknowledging that you are a sinner. You may be a philanthropist doing good things for the poor and all that. That notwithstanding, Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is therefore need for man to repent. Come out of religiosity. I'm a religious man. I do this. No religious man will go to heaven. Only born again Christian will make heaven. Just know that. If you are religious and you're not born again, now, now you can be reconciled to God. Acknowledge you are a sinner. In respect of whatever you have done and still doing, say, Lord, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. Wash away my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried for me. And I believe you rose again for me. I believe you are coming back again for me. Say that prayer sincerely and mean it. And that's the beginning of the Christian race. For us who are already believers, for ages, we have left the responsibility of soul winning to ministers of the gospel, to apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists and missionaries. That's a great error. At least from the word of God we have seen. This, this uh, being called ministers of reconciliation, you are not exempted. Nobody is exempted. Even little ones, they can evangelize their fellow little ones. Tell others about Jesus. Leave the, let the Holy Spirit take over and complete the process. Amen? Yes, and before we round up, the same gospel that says is the one that heals. If there is anyone that is hurting, just raise up your hand. I'm going to pray. I know there are some watching and some listening to me online on the internet. You can do the same. There is no distance with God. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. All you need is faith. There was a woman who had issue of blood, hemorrhage, for so long. She had been impoverished. She had seen so many physicians, no cure. But she knew that Jesus was coming. She said, oh, today I'm going to be healed. Today I am going to be healed. Whether anybody likes it or not, by fire, by thunder, I will be healed today. You know what she did? She was desperate. And she went, said, look, if I follow due protocol, I can't see this man Jesus. Therefore, she broke protocol and went through the crowd and saw Jesus and tore the hem of his garment. And that was the beginning of her miracles. By faith, you can stretch out your hand to tore the hem of Jesus' garment right now. He's compassionate. The same sacrifice he made on the cross was to save you from sin and also sickness and disease. Whatever doctor says, he says you have a terminal sickness and they have given up on you, that is man talking. Man is very limited. God who created you and who also has purpose and who can send his angels to do an operation on you and you are healed, he says you are healed. By his stripes you were healed. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. By his stripes we were healed. Claim it by faith. Walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, because you have spoken to us again to remind us of a great and awesome responsibility. 
or be your witnesses or be light to the world. King of glory, thank you. The world has come forth. We ask, O Lord, that this world will fall on fertile ground indeed and bring forth increase, that the kingdom of God will increase. That is your intent. When you sent us forth, that we should go and preach the gospel to all the nations of the earth. Lord, Father, I cannot do what my big brothers are doing. Lord, having so many conversions, so many souls giving their life to Christ at once, but in my own little way, Lord, in our own little way, help us. Teach us to know what to do and how to participate in this end-time harvest. Even as your coming is coming, that Lord will not go before you empty-handed. We go with you and say, Lord, these are the souls. Even the ones we do not know. I remember in those days, used to preach in the, in, in the Bosics when we were traveling. And souls who give their life to Christ. I've never seen those. I've never heard of them. But God knows about it. There's a reward for each and every one of us when we labor in the gospel. Romans, I mean, Revelation 22 verse 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. Whatever you are doing for the Lord now, there's a great reward. Please do not relent. If you have not been winning so before, arise and shine, for your light has come. If you have been discouraged because of circumstances and things of this world, let's go back to our maker and say, Lord, we are sorry. We missed it. Restore us unto the joy of our salvation. Thank you, Father, as you do all this for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray.